0: You're listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Welcome back to the South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans, for Ohio State fans. From San Francisco, I'm your host, Zach Moore. Today is Sunday, November 15th, and I'm very happy to be joined by fellow South Stands contributor, Paige Van Horn. PBH, what's the word out in Denver?
1: It's happy Sunday, buddy.
0: Happy Happy Sunday, my friend. (laughs) We are also joined by contributor Chad Plummer from Cleveland. Chad, how's it going, buddy?
2: All good, guys. Good to be on this morning. Likewise. Up above ground, it's all
0: good. (laughs) All right, man. Likewise. Well, today, as you both know, we are supposed to be talking about an Ohio State victory over Maryland in College Park yesterday. But as we all know, that game was canceled because of a COVID outbreak within the Maryland program. So instead, we are treating the last seven days like a bye week as Ohio State is now preparing for a showdown with the 10th ranked Indiana Hoosiers, man, it just sounds weird saying that. And that's this coming Saturday in the horseshoe. Now, we're going to get to the Hoosiers in a moment. We are more or less at the midway point of this truncated 8-plus-1 schedule. And like we did last season, I thought we'd take a look back at the first half of the schedule and talk about Ohio State's strengths and weaknesses and how we expect the second half of the season to go. And I'd also like to take a look at some of the other action around the Big Ten yesterday, namely Indiana's win over Michigan State. And Wisconsin's demolition of Michigan in the Big House, and what those results might mean for the Buckeyes, guys. First, though, I want to start with this question. You know, this weekend we had, I believe, 15 game cancellations or postponements. Obviously, Ohio State, Maryland was one of them. We had four more in the SEC. Is COVID going to derail the Big Ten schedule, or do you think the conference will make it through to the finish? Pay. I want to start with you. What do you think?
1: Wasn't I on record saying I thought that the season would start but not finish? Yes, you are. It was in the summer. Mm-hmm. I felt pretty strongly about that this week, um, but I don't know. I I think they'll find a way. They'll limp along. Right. It's a disaster. Um, you know. So I don't think we need to spend a whole lot of time rehashing our tech strings this week where I basically (laughs) lost my mind at certain individuals as far as (laughs) we're approaching this, this little issue of ours here uh, with the, with the virus, but no, I think they'll figure out a way to do it. I think I, I, I would say I don't understand some of the uh, the rules and the rigidity of the big 10 and why they have to be so draconian. And, you know, I, just didn't they already say, Hey, if there's two teams now that, you know, have a game canceled and they, they have an open date that they could play. Like, why wouldn't you have, you know, just had that sort of from the get go, just knowing that, you know, these situations are going to arise. And so I just, I feel like, yes, the season will finish, but I think, every single option needs to be on the table. And by the way, they can do whatever they want. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. UCLA is playing a game today. Yeah. So, you know, just, just be more flexible, I guess, is my, my big, you know, take for the big Mm 10, and then you will be able to get it done. But if you're going to just say, Hey, we set these rules up, you know, eight weeks ago, knowing what we knew then, and we're not going to have any flexibility to then, then there's a chance that they don't get uh, to finish the season. So Mm I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, but it certainly looks pretty fricking bleak right now.
2: <laughs> Chad, what do you think? Well, you know, to, to Paige's point, I mean, you know, you put these rules together, but like how difficult is it to have a contingency plan? You know, like, mm-hmm. for example, I mean, obviously, I don't think both programs will win, but like we could have played Alabama this weekend. You know what I mean? We could have had Alabama scheduled, Uh but hey, (laughs) yeah, let's play Alabama. You know, and and that would have been amazing if the season doesn't finish. Um, We'd have played Alabama and kicked their ass. Um, (laughs) But you know, I think with from everything I'm reading, and I know Zach, you put out a couple tweets on our South Dance Twitter um, this week about you know how the college football playoff it seems to be, and I know we're gonna get into that a little bit later. How they're gonna like adjust accordingly to get these games in if the, you know, like the Big Ten Championship, for example, has to be moved back, things of that nature. So mm-hmm. I won't talk on that a little more. I know we're going to get into it later, but, you know, I, it's it's crazy. I mean, that's that's a, a huge number of games that were postponed this weekend. Crazy, it, it's really, you know, it really sucks. I mean, that ruined my whole Saturday, you know. <laughs> I think <laughs> we found that out on, what, Tuesday about the high state game, and I was yeah. like, just you know, Debbie, Debbie Downer for the rest of the week. But, uh, you know, I, I mean, I think they're going to, like, the Big Ten, they're obviously going to have to to implement some kind of contingency plan. And I think, you know, I mean, this is wishful thinking as well, but I think they'll find a way to get it in when it all comes, you know. Mm-hmm. Said and done. I'm
0: optimistic. I mean, out of 28 <laughs> regular season games scheduled so far, through four weeks, right, 28 Big Ten games, the Big Ten's been able to play 25 of them. So that's an 89% success rate, only three cancellations. We know two of those were Wisconsin and then of course Ohio State, Maryland. All things considered, not bad and I'll take an 89% success rate and I would think that success right. rate would actually have to get significantly lower before we'd really talk about the schedule, the Big Ten really you know, struggling to make it through the schedule. And I'm with you guys. I wish there was a little bit more flexibility Built in. I'm giving everybody a mulligan through this, though. I mean, nobody's plan is foolproof. Everyone is experiencing right. postponements, cancellations. You know, some of these SEC games, despite the bye weeks they built in, the flexibility they built into their schedule, some of these are, are probably not going to get replayed. Like right now, LSU Alabama, I don't think they have a window for that game. You know, the last time as a country when we went through something like this was a century ago. I'm not going to be too hard on the Big Ten. Yes, I agree with you. I do wish there was a little bit more flexibility built into their schedule, but it is what it is. And through four weeks, the schedule is almost halfway done. 89% success rate. Not bad. Let's see how it goes. I'm definitely expecting more cancellations, and we'll just keep our fingers crossed. Chad, you already took us there, and that was going to be my next question about the college football playoff committee and would they consider pushing back the semifinals and the national championship game and it seems like there's already a lot of conversation nationally around that all the the big national sports writers are starting to debate this on twitter it seems like there's some division between many of them on fox's big noon kick yesterday bruce feldman said that he had talked to a bunch of the sports power brokers and right now people are all over the map it sounds so there's really no consensus yet but it sounds like the biggest concern is viable television windows with the NFL playoffs taking center stage starting the weekend of January 8th and 9th, I believe it is. Paige, you've talked about this before. College football is this glacial entity, especially when we're talking about the bowls, right? These these New Year's Six Bowls, the Rose Bowl and you know, bowls like that. They're just so tied to tradition. We're going to have to ask these glacial entities to be flexible in a way that they've never been before if indeed it is necessary to push these dates out. I don't. I, so let me ask you this. Personally, I think there's there would be an audience for a semifinal game in the middle of the week. Don't you think, or or do you think it has to be played on the weekend for all the interested parties to be satisfied?
1: So when so they're they're scheduled for what Saturday the semifinal games on the, Saturday. And they're then scheduled
0: they play? Uh, Friday, January first. The semifinal games are. Yeah, and they really want to keep those January one windows. I get it. You don't want to have to compete with the NFL playoffs, but hey, we're in a pandemic, right? Not everybody's going to get what they want here. I would think. Would you agree, Paige? Yeah. Well, of course they're
1: going to want to keep it where it's at. But if it's not tenable, then they'll just adjust. Yeah. Right. I mean, I would hope to, so. They don't really have a choice. What you're just not going to do it, or right? You know, you're not going to. uh you know, have the big 10, you know, team represented because they didn't get their chance. I mean, come on, it's, it's ludicrous that at that level, like Chad said, with all the money involved, they'll find a way. And that's again, where I kind of come back to some of my frustration with the big 10, just be more flexible, Mm -hmm. right? I'm not throwing stones. And again, everybody, we're in uncharted territory and trying to figure this out. Just be flexible Yeah, and just, you know, have the ability to, to make a, a decision on the fly that you might not have really ever had to do before, but as we've said a thousand times, uncharted territory in global pandemic. And so I'm not worried at all really about the playoffs. I think the part that could get dicey is, you know, all the other 52 stupid bowl games. And then how do you adjust for those? But, right. you know, and those two things sort of, you know, working together. and mm. but. You know again i think they'll be
2: able to find a path forward yeah they're not going to schedule a game through like through the week if by chance it doesn't happen on january 1st because abc's had a christmas like uh movie like scheduled for you know bambi or something I mean, come on it's a
0: wonderful life <laughs> yeah, sorry right. we can't
2: everybody rudolph i wanted to ask you guys a question like I, I found this ridiculous it's kind of gone along with the pandemic how Bobby Carpenter, and I think you even mentioned um, this week on Twitter, about how he was trying to say that Maryland was hiding behind the pandemic to not play Ohio State. I mean, what's up with that?
0: Yeah, and and I'm a big fan of Carpenter. I loved him as a player. I I think he's had a really nice career as an opinion guy, both nationally and locally. But I don't know. When you throw things like that out there, first of all, nobody – No one is reporting that. There've been no national reports, no local reports that Maryland was somehow trying to duck Ohio State so they didn't have to take the L and they could have a better overall record and therefore look better from a recruiting standpoint. I'm like, well, wait a second. If that's true, that would kill recruiting because you come to the Big Ten to play against Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State. I mean, if it's out there that Maryland ducked this game and hid behind COVID numbers because so they didn't want to play it, I mean, I think if anything, that kills recruiting. And, and, you know, look at Maryland's coming off. They went into Happy Valley and kicked Penn State's ass. I would think they would want to play this game. And I just think it's not productive. It, it keeps everybody in a, you know, a, an angry, shitty place. The situation already stinks. Right, the game got canceled. So why get everybody riled up with this theory that Maryland was ducking Ohio State? I just think it's counterproductive. I mean, if that's the way you want to use your platform, Bobby Carpenter, you're free to use your platform the way you want to. But I, honestly, I feel like Buckeye Twitter needs to get a new act because Carpenter isn't the only one. The Bucknuts guys are the, are like that. There's, they're just espousing these theories, throwing shit out there just to it's red meat to angry fans to keep everybody pissed off. I think we got to move on. Let's get a new act, Buckeye Twitter. It is what it is. The Big Ten has decided to take the course that it's taken. I, I hear you. The the flexibility piece is frustrating, but we're looking at an eighty nine percent success rate. The season's underway. Let's move on, folks. Right? Let's let's. <laughs> it's frustrating enough that we're going through a pandemic and everybody is like we're not able to do the things we want to do. I don't understand why Carpenter and and his ilk are, are throwing stuff out there for people to get angry about. Sorry. I don't mean to rant about it, but I don't know. Paige, what do you think? No, that was very inspirational, Zach. You should have a
1: profit. <laughs> I feel much better. <laughs> no, but you're right. You're hundred percent right, man. Yeah. Um, there's no need for it. And you know, it speaks to some larger systemic communication issues in this country. It, it's like, we're all in this together. And, and by the way, we were all disappointed Right yeah you don't get to watch a football game right? I mean, at the end of the day, we understand it's sports. It's really not that important, but it's a hell of a nice distraction right now, absolutely. And having those first three games is a gift. it sucks that uh they didn't get to play, but guess what the sun came up today on Sunday. We're gonna be fine yeah um the, the fact anyone that would suggest that a big ten team doesn't want to play a football game because they're afraid of losing is just that's just asinine like who's even? Yeah. Propagating such nonsense as that. I just I, You're right. It just makes no sense. It, it, and it's not constructive at all. Yeah. Just give it up.
0: Yeah. Get a new act. That's that's my refrain. Get a new act, Buckeye Twitter. Let's move on. We're midseason. Ohio State, a lot to be excited about. We've got some, some of our, our biggest games yet to come. And hey if anything covid is adding uh, this extra twist this this extra layer of intrigue that kind of keeps us all glued to what's happening in college football as if it's not already interesting enough to guys like us. Okay, let's do this. I think we all agree that Justin Fields is the runaway MVP for Ohio State at the moment. Let me know if you guys disagree with that, but I'm going to concede that all three of us agree that it's Fields who we would tab as the MVP. So, with that assumption, after Fields, who are your midseason offensive and defensive MVPs? Give me one player from each side of the ball. Chad, I want to start with you.
2: Okay. On offense, I mean, it would be hard-pressed not to go with Garrett Wilson. Yeah. I great. mean, the kid is just – yeah, he's just – he's a, a joy to watch, man. He runs those routes and the like, kid just – I mean, he's got, he's got it all. I think he's a, he's an NFL caliber receiver. Mm -hmm. He's got some amazing hands. He can make catches, you know, fields has been pretty much on the, on the money, um, the last, you know, three weeks. But, you know, the times that he's not, Wilson pulls it in and, you know, ends up making a miraculous catch. Um, so I'd have to go with Garrett Wilson.
0: 344 yards receiving so far, for, uh, averaging 14.3 yards per reception. Two touchdowns for Garrett Wilson. Chad, let me give you a, a couple extra minutes to think about your defensive player. Paige, I want to kick it over to you. Give me your offensive player of the first half of the season.
2: I think.
1: Logically, you got to give it to Wilson. But I, you know, when we talked about this, I thought, you know, the biggest question mark coming in was who was going to replace J.K. Dobbins. So I think, you know, I'll go. I'll go with Teague. I mean, he's not lighting it up, and he's not, you know, by probably the true definition of the MVP. Um, you know, the guy you would go to. But I think the fact that he got hurt right and then we were looking at holy cow like who legitimately is going to be our running back you know we're like down to you know the third or fourth stringer guys and the fact that he was able to come back from that injury we're not quite sure what it was um and and being productive and shown some some flashes thus far. I think, you know, T you could make a strong case for him that, you know, he's a very, very important piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. The fact that he was able to come back from that injury, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with old master.
0: All right. Yeah, yeah. Give him credit. He comes back from an Achilles injury as somebody who himself has suffered an Achilles injury. I know how tough that is. Although my NFL dream was cut short, sadly, boys. But I, I do to- <laughs> I do know what it's like to blow out an Achilles. It's amazing he's come back as quickly as he had. Teague's averaged about four and a half yards per carry. Now he's splitting. Basically, it's a 50-50 split thus far with Trey Sermon. But he gives Ohio State a threat in the run game. And and we said it last week. I think he is – probably their most consistent back. He's he's the guy that can deliver that four, five, six yards per carry to help keep Ohio State on schedule. They have to be a threat in the run game, I think, to be a complete offense and be good enough to beat the likes of Alabama and Clemson. I like that pick. He's kind of like that under-the-radar uh, valuable player for Ohio State. For for me, offensively, Thayer Mumford and Nicholas Petit-Ferrer. According to Pro Football Focus. You like it, yeah. Now, according to Pro Football Focus, between Mumford and NPF, they've allowed zero sacks and zero hits on Justin Fields and only one hurry. NPF, to me, looks like he's having an all-Big Ten season to me. And with an offense that's going to be as heavily reliant on the passing game as Ohio State is going to be, you need tackles that are going to hold up in pass protection. And so far, Mumford and NPF have been stellar as far as that goes. So they're my, after Justin Fields, they're my First half offensive MVPs. Okay, Chad, I want to kick it back to you. Give me your defensive MVP of the first half.
2: Tommy Togiai. Tommy Togiai. I'm I mean, right. that kid. He has stepped up, man. He is a force to be reckoned with at in, that position, too. Yeah, He's just unbelievable. And it, it, do you know how nice it is to see somebody? Uh, uh, I mean, a defensive tackle on for the Ohio State Buckeyes you know be a bright spot Mm. it's it makes me like all warm and fuzzy inside so (laughs) i I, I got i gotta go with tommy togei
0: togei leads ohio state in sacks he's got three sacks so far he's their leader he's been fantastic he's been great against the run as well i I like that pick a lot page how about you
1: go with pete warner man i think um in uh, my 2020 year positivity, where I'm not going to complain about the linebackers, he's having a great year. Yeah. And according to the uh, Bell pre-Daily Beast, right, Plummer? I mean, a lot of NFL scouts are sniffing around. He might actually be a first or second rounder.
0: Wow. All
2: right. That's right, bro. BDP.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he is tied with Tuff Borland for the lead in tackles. The team lead in tackles so far this season was 16. He's got 10 unassisted. He's been Mr. Reliable, Mr. Steady Eddie in the middle of that defense, he's also great in coverage. Although he's he's playing the 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 will now, so he's got fewer coverage responsibilities. But yeah, he's been that steady hand in the middle of the defense. My defensive MVP is Josh Proctor. Now, what? Josh Proctor, and I'll tell you why. Wow. Let's according, hear this. According to, wow, according to Pro Football Focus. Proctor is one of Ohio State's five highest-rated defensive players through three games. He checks in at number three behind Haskell Garrett and Tyler Friday. He is by far Ohio State's most versatile player on that side of the ball. So far, he is their top-graded defensive back in coverage, according to Pro Football Focus. Kerry Combs is using Proctor all over the field. At the bullet, Sam, at slot corner. And at free safety, I give Proctor a ton of credit for shaking off the disappointment of losing the starting free safety job to Marcus Hooker, which by the way, I still think that position's up for grabs. I would not be surprised if Proctor ends up being your starting free safety by season's end. I think he deserves more snaps given what's transpiring at free safety and also at slot corner, Marcus Williamson hasn't really set the world on fire. Proctor is my defensive MVP so far kind of given his versatility and where he rates in some really important areas according to Pro Football Focus. I like it. All right. And by the way, I think his whole family I, I think his whole family right now is following us on Twitter. <laughs> because I've been tweeting nice. I've been tweeting a lot about about Josh and why I think he should be getting more playing time. And I think I know his dad's following us. I think his mom is following us as too. And some sisters, cousins, I don't know. But there's a bunch of Proctors following us on Twitter now. He's, he's from Owasso, Oklahoma. That's right. I mean,
2: What's up, Proctor family? How yeah. are you guys doing?
0: Yeah. I, I, I hope Proctor gets opportunities there as the season goes along. I still think he's got... Of the, of the 11 that they're playing right now, they're starting out there. Of the guys that are playing the most snaps, Proctor is one of the few that has that boom potential, that that upside to make explosive plays, and I really hope he gets more, more snaps as, as the season goes along. I'm really interested to see how that, how that develops.
2: Oh my, Zeke. That, that Marcus Hooker, man, he's, he's a disappointment. Well,
0: I, I want to talk about Hooker in a second because now I want to get from each of you your biggest concern for this Ohio State team heading into the second half of the season. Paige, I want to start with you. Give me your biggest concern. Wow,
1: well, we'll probably all have the same uh, answer, but it's for me it's the secondary, mm-hmm. and that's part of why it was disappointing that they didn't play this weekend, to finally see them be tested. Yeah. Uh, they're going to get tested next week, but um, so we'll get there soon enough. But, yeah, it's it's, you know, I think they're going to be okay, and I think we also just have to reset expectations a little bit. They're not going to be quite as good as they were last year. I've said that a few times, Um, but I think they'll be all right. But I do think as the competition picks up, I guess, just for next week uh, against Indiana, and then it looks pretty bleak um, until the (laughs) Big Ten championship game of who they're actually going to play. Right, Um, And then potentially in the playoffs, you know, when they start to go up against – n f l caliber quarterbacks and wideouts um that could be that could be a a little dicey so that's mm-hmm. um that's my biggest concern going forward from here
2: chad the defensive backs have just not uh i don't i i feel like they're not living up to you know the ohio state caliber like b b u if you will mm-hmm. um but you know i like, i like i think i think as as the season goes on when it counts i think they'll you know have made adjustments. Um, things like that. You know, the one thing that concerns me, though, is, you know, I'm a big Kerry Collins fan just from the uh, perspective of him getting the troops fired up and, you know, just making them work harder, things of that nature. But, mm-hmm. you know, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, you know, when Hayley came in, I feel like the defensive backs just, I mean, he didn't miss a beat. And actually, I feel like he almost took them, to another level. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So I don't know if, it, yeah, and I, I don't know if, if I feel like Combs is, you know, adapting or adjusting, I guess, back into the college football realm. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that, uh, that kind of, just the thought I was, uh, happened to have driving down the road the other day. Just... Well,
0: I think ha- Halfley had a little bit more to work with than Combs does this year. I mean, you had Jeffrey Okuda, the number three corner taken in the draft. Now, where I will give Halfley a ton of credit is what he did with Damon Arnett. It basically, and you got to give Arnett exactly. credit. For, you got to give Arnett credit for putting in the work, but he transformed Damon Arnett from like a second day pick to a first round pick in one
2: season. <laughs> it, pretty crazy. Yeah, he's balling at, at Dodge Vegas. I yeah, mean, he's having a great year so far.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure Combs is working with the same level of talent in the secondary. Certainly, in the case of Sean Wade, that he he is. But uh, you look around the rest of the secondary, you've got some guys that are first-year starters, Seven Banks for instance. I, I'm anxious to see what Combs is going to do, what kind of personnel choices he's going to make in the second half of the season. I was very surprised coming out of camp, and I mentioned this last week, that Marcus Hooker is the starting free safety. and I was also very surprised that the best they could do was a seldom used senior in Marcus Williamson at slot corner. And so far, the returns on those two have not been great. And and I agree with you. I I think we're all in agreement. I was hoping to, to have a different answer than the two of you, but I think we're all in agreement. It's the back end of the Ohio State defense that's the biggest concern here. Marcus Hooker, just to give you some perspective, Marcus Hooker leads the team in missed tackles with seven. That's twice as many as the next player. The only thing worse than that in football is having a quarterback that keeps turning the ball over. If you're the last line of the defense and you lead the defense in missed tackles, not good. Of the 37 defensive players who've seen action for the Buckeyes so far this season, Hooker is rated 35th by Pro Football Focus. He's the worst tackler on the team and he's their lowest rated defender against the run, according to again, according to Pro Football Focus. So to give you an idea how bad Hooker has been, Pro Football Focus grades every defensive player on every play, zero through 100, in four major categories, run defense, tackling, pass rush, and coverage. So 100 is the highest grade a player can earn, and zero, of course, is the lowest. As a tackler, hooker is 28.8. That's his score as a tackler. It's the lowest on the team. Against the run, his score is 34.9, so basically 35. Those are the lowest scores on the team of players who've logged at least 60 snaps, He's He's been terrible. I, I don't know how else to say it. It's only three games. Maybe he can get better. I have not seen anything from Marcus Hooker to justify giving him the starting free safety job over Josh Proctor. Slot corner Marcus Williamson also been very underwhelming. He's read a dead last 37th out of 37 Ohio State defensive players who've played so far this season. Opposing quarterbacks are completing 90% of the balls they throw at Williams. Williamson in coverage he's been targeted 11 times for 10 completions so with those numbers you telling me there isn't more opportunity for Josh Proctor who are the
1: two kids that got kicked off the team in the summer wasn't yeah. one reap or something like Amir that reap. yeah yeah Amir, Amir reap. Reap, who
0: would have projected as a starter yeah. at one of the corner yeah. spots yeah Jocelyn Wint was the other one. It was a yeah. reap and Jocelyn Wint who was going to maybe factor in its safety, actually.
1: So so you lose so right. you lose Akuda, you lose Arnett, you lose Fuller, you lose those two guys, and then you lose Cam Brown. Yeah. Right. Right. So so you know, you would think I was actually just kind of looking through um the roster here and all the guys that are, you know, potentially cornerbacks and safeties, they're all freshmen right? Yeah. Because yeah. all those guys are gone. That's like, they're trying to replace seven players on that team last year yeah, in the secondary. Point. That's and a really good point. So I think, you know, maybe one theory is that is that uh Carrie doesn't have, he, he, he either sticks with the guys that he's playing or he's playing true freshmen. Mm-hmm. And they're probably loath to do that at this point. Mm-hmm. And so he doesn't really have anywhere to turn. Now, you make a great point about Proctor, but man, the, the depth chart is just it's, it's, it's not there.
2: Yeah. Actually, Paige, you make a really good point. Maybe I should pump the brakes on that little, a little bit on like, you know, the Hayley Combs comparison and whatnot. It's a, I think I have the mentality, which a lot of people do, um, which, you know, it's the next man up. I mean, you know, sure. I started, but these kids are still 18 years old coming into college football. There's adjustments that need to be made. So, you know what? I'll I'll pump the brakes a little
0: bit. Yeah, I think it's fair to That's say Halfley point. was Halfley had a lot more to work with than than Combs. Combs is kind of starting from scratch in a lot of areas, with the exception, of course, with Sean Wade. I think Wade's going to be fine. Let's remember, he's learning a new position. He's moved from the slot corner to the outside. I think he's going to figure it out. I have faith in Wade's talent and experience. I, he's the least the player I'm least worried about in that secondary. There may be some more snaps available for freshman Ryan Watts. Watts came in late against Rutgers and I thought looked pretty good to me. He was the thing with Marcus Williamson is it just seems to take him forever to show up into my the frame of my picture, right? He takes forever to rotate over. <laughs> and yeah, I mean if if opposing quarterbacks, especially the 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 opposing quarterbacks that we've seen so far, which are the you know the the dregs of the Big Ten if they're completing 10 of 11 balls, 90% against Marcus Williamson, what do you got to lose? See what Ryan Watts can do. I think his hand may be forced. Tyreek Johnson, he had over 50 snaps against Rutgers and did not impress. He's been a disappointment. I don't know. Maybe Johnson can pull it together in the second half of the year, but
2: they've got to get that figured out. What's up with Seven Banks? He's like kind of really not like he's like, he seems a- like he's not really in the game. Or Pro Football
0: Focus rates him solidly as uh, in coverage. Uh, he's one of the best tacklers on the team. Actually, we'll see. He's untested. He's had ten targets. Only five balls have been completed against him. Not bad. Fifty percent. Certainly better than yeah. Marcus Williamson. I think the grade on yeah. on Banks is incomplete. We're just not gonna. We need more information, and we should we should get that this weekend against Indiana. So we're all in agreement the back end. Any anything else that you see is a glaring weakness? I, I think we're all feeling a little bit better about the linebackers. I think we feel like the run game is adequate. Is that a fair assessment, Paige?
1: Yeah, we just want to watch some football, buddy.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> take whatever we can get. I'll take the bad and the good.
2: <laughs> all right, good stuff. And see, the I, I, you are the stat stat master. So I like I mean Going off, uh, you know, weakness to more like a little positive spend like what's, what's Zach Harrison's stats right now?
0: Uh, he's actually graded out pretty well. So I'm looking at pro football focuses, defensive player ratings. Right now at the top, and he only has one game under his belt, is Justin Hilliard. Hilliard actually had a really good game against Rutgers. He's only played one oh. game so far. So of the of the players that have played – in all three games and have logged at least a minimum of 60 snaps. Haskell Garrett, Tyler Friday, your top two players. I've already mentioned Josh Proctor, then Jonathan Cooper. Then we get Tommy Togiai and then Zach Harrison. So actually, the highest State defensive end rotation is actually graded out pretty well according to Pro Football Focus. They're, they're at about 70 and above. Again, they have a 0 to 100 grading system. So the overall score For many of the Ohio State defensive ends, actually for all the defensive ends is, well, in the case of Jean-Baptiste, 69. Then you have Zach Harrison graded at 73 and a half. Tommy Togi 75, almost 76%. Jonathan Cooper at 78%. Tyler Friday at 79, almost 80%. And then Haskell Garrett at 85% on the interior. So the defensive ends, at least according to Pro Football Focus, and again, you you can't put all of your faith in stats like this and numbers like this. But again, they grade right. Pro Football Focus grades these players on every single play. So high state defensive ends actually doing pretty well, even though they haven't generated a lot of tackles for loss and quarterback sacks.
2: PVH your number zero is graded pretty high, bro.
0: Yeah, man, Jonathan Cooper. What, what, Coop? <laughs> so Cooper, <laughs> Cooper Coop leads the team with eleven <laughs> pressures so far. He's the candidate this year as that veteran you know fifth year senior who absolutely maxes out his last year with the program and boosts his draft stock kind of like what we saw out of Davon Hamilton last year right Hamilton really maxed out what he could do in his final opportunity with the program the year before Terry McLaurin at wide receiver another player a guy who took full advantage of his last year with the program it's great because Cooper's healthy that's a big factor obviously
2: yeah yeah. He seems like a really good kid too. So that's a good it's a great feel good story to have him utilizing and taking advantage of that.
0: Yeah. So I think we're 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 all in agreement on concerns for the second half of the season. We feel pretty good, obviously great about the passing game. We like what we're seeing from at least in protection from our tackles. The interior of the offensive line, I think, needs a little get a little bit better, but Overall, I think offensively, Ohio State, as potent as anybody, they're getting just enough in the run game. The passing game is just as dangerous as anybody in the country, feeling really good about that. Okay, if you guys are ready, why don't we turn our attention to some of the other action around the country? And I want to start with what we saw in East Lansing yesterday. Indiana, workman-like performance, beating the Spartans 24 zip. Michigan State, let's face it, pretty hapless. This is a rebuilding season for Mel Tucker there. So it's really hard to get too much of a read on Indiana from this performance. Hoosier quarterback, Michael Penix Jr., finished 25 of 38 for 320 yards and two touchdowns. He also had two really awful interceptions. Paige, what did you see from Indiana yesterday in East Lansing?
1: Well, I know that n- no one on this uh, podcast has a mathematics degree from the Ohio State University. But <laughs> Michigan State, just just <laughs> – just so we can add this up, Michigan State, Penn State, and Michigan are combined two and ten, Oof. which is just absurd. Um, I think you've got to give they Tucker... they have
2: mathematics at Ohio State page? Yeah.
1: <laughs> not, not anybody that we know. Yeah, that's about six people in that, that major. That's for sure. Um, it's pathetic, uh, but you got to give him a pass, right? I don't think D'Antoni left Mel Tucker much of anything to work with. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I mean... Penix Jr. He makes some plays, but he doesn't really scare me that that much. I think they've got two good wideouts, so that'll be fun next week. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I mean, what can you really learn from these games? You know, I, I mean, is Indiana truly a top ten team? I mean, they've who they beaten? They've beaten, you know, Penn State. their are dumpster fire. Michigan State, terrible. Um, Michigan
0: dumpster it, fire.
1: Yeah. And so it's, you know, it's almost like these are the preseason games and when they play somebody good and, you know, then they can hang with them, then, then I'll be convinced. But up until that point, I'm not a believer.
0: And clearly we'll find out next week. Chad, what did did you think of what you saw from Indiana yesterday?
2: You know, I mean, I'm kind of with Paige, you know, I I know we said earlier um, we're going to like maybe you'd mentioned was there going to be an upset and, you know, I thought well maybe it just depends on if Jekyll or Hyde being Michigan state was going to show up but mm. obviously you know they're not <laughs> they just Michigan's just really bad you say a dumpster fire i think they're like to compare them, if we're talking about fires like the fires out west is what's going on in michigan yeah. <laughs> but um but uh you know indiana like makes i mean he he makes some you know makes some great plays um do I think they have uh, a defense that can hang with the Ohio State offense? Not not even close. Um, do I think that, uh, you know, the secondary of Ohio State, let's hope it's gotten a little bit better. I know we talked about that a little bit earlier, but, you know, they're going to score, you know, a couple touchdowns here, you know, there, but uh, they can't stop our offense. So uh, I'm really – and like we've mentioned prior, I mean, this Big Ten season is just, it's it's so bizarre, yeah. really. I mean, these teams, like, just, it's like, what?
0: I'm with you, Paige. Penix Jr. can make some plays, but he's only completing about 60% of his passes, which you'd think against some of the defenses he's faced so far, he's had a lot of clean pockets, not a ton of pressure on him, and only 60% of his passes. That stands out. That's a bit of a red flag to me. I also thought he'd be a little bit more dangerous as a runner because he does appear to be a pretty good athlete, but Indiana doesn't really leverage him as a runner. Right now, he's only got 13 rushing attempts for negative two yards. I know that includes some sack yardage, but I thought he'd be a little bit more of a threat as a runner.
2: Freifogel had a really good game yesterday.
0: 200 yards receiving, Freifogel did. He looks pretty good. Yeah, Freifogel... uh, He's uh, from Mississippi, six foot two, 214 pounds. He's a senior. But again, yeah. it begs the question, is he is he putting up these numbers because Penn State, Michigan and Michigan <laughs> oh, hey. State just stink? Are they really good? I don't know. I, <laughs> if I didn't have the concerns about the back end that I did, I think I could confidently say that Ohio State runs them out of the stadium next week.
1: Wait, what? um What's the line? Does anybody know? Does anybody I haven't know? seen
0: a line just yet.
2: I, I don't I'm know if sure that's right. Out. Out, let's, let's,
1: let's real quickly in 10 seconds go around the horn. What do you make? What do you make the line?
2: 13 points.
0: Ohio State minus if not 13. not more. Okay. How about you?
1: Paige? Yeah. I, I was thinking 14. Wow. Well,
0: okay. That sounds about right to me. I'm, real, I'm not much of a gambler. I'm really bad at setting these lines, but that sounds about right to me. And I feel like Ohio State could win by even more than that. Again, if yeah. I, if we didn't have the issues on the back end that we do, the questions on the back end, I feel like this could get ugly. To me, Indiana kind of seems like a fake good team. And they are standing out right now because of this weird season with the other powers in the in the division, in the East division, just absolutely tanking out. And by comparison, Indiana looks great. I just question – I'm selling stock as Indiana's a top 10 team. I think to me, they have more value – as a team in the lower half of the top 25, or maybe just outside the top 25, like they'd be a dangerous team to me if they're coming into Ohio stadium unranked and Ohio state is looking ahead, maybe to a Penn state or a bigger game down the line. That's where I feel like Indiana is it's most dangerous when they're on that schedule is kind of that, that team that would be easy to otherwise overlook. But now they're coming in with, Mm -hmm. you know, Yep. Right in Ohio State's crosshairs as a top ten team, and oh by the way, this game is for the division. This is the for the you know pole position in the division. This is a game Ohio State cannot afford to lose. And oh no, I don't know that we've ever we've not in our lifetimes we've not seen Indiana in a position like this where they're going into a meaningful game for the division as a top ten team. This is these are uncharted waters for Indiana, and Ohio State lives in this realm. And has been living in this realm for decades. I think right. there's I think there's a world where Ohio State could actually really run away with this game.
1: Oh, no, of course.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's move on to what happened in Ann Arbor yesterday. Oof, my God. Wisconsin coming off a three-week layoff after two COVID-related game cancellations comes into the big house and slaps Michigan around to the tune of 49 to 11. This is the worst home defeat for Michigan since 1935. Let me give, just to give you guys, to give our listeners, maybe who didn't see the game, an idea of how this game went. This is, these are Michigan's first five plays from just, scrimmage. Just, just sit back and soak this in <laughs> this all in. its glory. <laughs> yeah. Michigan's it's first,
2: funny. here we go. Michigan's
0: first five plays from scrimmage. Joe Milton interception at the Michigan 33. False start. Blake Corum run for th- loss of three yards. Joe Milton run for two <laughs> yards. Joe Milton interception returned to the Michigan 14. That's how the game started for Michigan. They were down 14 to nothing like that. They were down 28-0 with still 10 minutes to go in the second quarter. It was ugly. The Badgers outgained Michigan 468-219. to Chad, I want to start with you. What did you see out of that game?
2: It is a hard pill to swallow to even watch that team. I mean, it is just insane. I mean, like, you're in the big house, or whatever the hell they call that place, Um and it's just they they got they embarrassed mm-hmm. like they they nothing ever came together and and Paige just you'll you'll uh, be happy to hear this um, I just got something on the wire from the uh, the BDP the Belbury Daily Beast like that <laughs> uh, Dockers has dropped Jim Harbaugh. As as <laughs> sponsor, so he's gonna have to look for another brand of khakis to wear. <laughs> but no, it's, it's the it's so embarrassing. I I mean, it's just like part of me wants to just like feel like bad, but then like because you know this they are representing. You know, been one of the horses in the Big Ten for years, and one of the most winning college programs in mm-hmm. games history, but. It's just it's it's sad where they've gone. I mean, it's like it's almost like oh yeah, we got our asses kicked again. But you know, whatever. I guess we're just like going through the the motions. It's, it's it blows my mind, but it's just it's sad. It's, they're in a sad state in in Ann Arbor.
0: Well, you had mission. Mich- you had Kirk uh, Kerb Street commenting on the lack of a backbone. The lack of, I can't remember the exact quote, but Herb Street at one point, this was early in the game. Like, look, somebody from Michigan has to take this personally. They got to find a backbone. It seems to me as though Michigan, the last place they wanted to be, was on the field playing Wisconsin. They looked completely checked out to me. Paige, what did you see yesterday?
1: So it was this the third or fourth touchdown Wisconsin scored. Um, they were like on the 10 yard line, they handed the ball off and there was the offensive, the left guard or left tackle. I've never actually seen this before. He was like seven yards downfield before he actually touched a Michigan player. I remember that. And the the running back basically went in untouched. And I was like, they just don't compete. Right. They just literally don't compete. Now, I think Wisconsin's really freaking good. I I was very impressed with Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. I think, I think we're going to have our hands full with them, but I was not even remotely surprised by that outcome, which is, you know, something to be said just for that. Michigan just, you're right. They did not, they, they did not want to be there and I don't know where they go from here, but it's a sad state of affairs and that game wasn't even close. I mean, I, I it reminded me of our game, you know, against um or our our last game against Rutgers, where you go up twenty eight nothing. It's human nature that they're taking you know their foot off the gas. That could have been sixty two to ten.
0: Yeah, right? easily. It, Mertz only threw the ball twenty two times. They ran it fifty one times. So Wisconsin really, yeah, they got that early lead and just kind of choked Michigan out. But if they had wanted to keep it open. And continued to throw the ball. This, yeah, they they would have gone well over sixty. Chad, you were going to make a comment. Go
2: ahead. This was like shortly before I had to just turn. Like I couldn't take it anymore. It was just just awful. But like Fowler and Herb Street were just. I mean, they were overturning turn, overturning stones just to sit, try to find to say something positive to say about Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> like you know they they have this feel good comment about this kid who like. I think it was like, where they were first time they were down in the red zone. And I don't know, kid had a, a great effort trying to get in the end zone, but didn't make or whatever. And they're just looking everywhere to try to find something to like say positive about it when they're just both looking at each other, like what the fuck is going on here?
0: It's terrible. So is, is Harbaugh going to survive yeah. this season page? What do you think?
1: I actually asked him last night, if he could get fired today, um, <laughs> And, and I, you, I mean, you could definitely make the case for it. They, they would never do that. That's just not the way they roll. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've, i I've sort of, I've been thinking about it from a different angle is, you know, it's like, well, they can't get rid of him. and the Michigan man, who are they going to get? I, th- there's 10 people they could get that would be right. an improvement over Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think, I don't think he's going to change. I don't think he thinks that he can get over the hump and actually compete with a high estate. So he's just digging in. I mean, he's completely delusional. Um, And what I wonder about if you're Harbaugh, how much lasting damage are you doing to your ability? Who's going to hire that guy as a head coach at this point? Mm -hmm. What NFL is looking at Jim Harbaugh and saying, he's my guy.
2: What recruit is like, like looking at Michigan saying, Oh man, I really want to play for Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. yeah, no. So, I mean, really? I know Herb Street had a. He sent out a tweet, and it was just like, you know, struggling again tonight. Now one and three, just in shock, watching them lose forty nine and eleven at home. Meanwhile, how damn consistent is the Badger football brand? Blah blah blah. You know. So mm-hmm. he's and, and Harbaugh's comments after the game were just basically like, "Oh yeah, we look like shit." Um, you yeah, know, we got to go. We, but... we got to go
1: back to the basics, and like that's your problem, Jim. If you think that's your problem, you got to go back to the basics. You can't even do that, right? And what are the basics? And the basics, how you think about football, is not how college football is played anymore, right? And he's just stuck in his ways, and he's not going to change. Mm-hmm. So, as an Ohio right. State fan, I the last thing in the world I want to see is him to go because I was I, I when he got that job, I thought, oof, this is back on. It, I, there's no way. And the longer he stays there, the easier it is for us. Now, do we want that game to be competitive? Do we want Michigan, you know, to to hold up their end of the bargain in the Big Ten, sure, yeah, partially, but this is also pretty freaking great, and I just don't see <laughs> any way out of it for Michigan with Harbaugh as head coach. Yeah,
2: you know, there's, yeah, there, there's a lot of a uh, lot of talk going on about Luke Fickle being the next man oh, up there. I, I'd so be su- they, they do decide.
0: Yeah, but I'd be And surprised. you could bring
2: him in for probably half of what you're paying Jim Harbaugh. I don't know. Um, if, would but, Fickle
0: do that? He's a he's an Ohio I don't guy. Know, man, I, I,
2: yeah. I I don't know I would think that too, but I mean, going from you know what the MAC conference or the, what not the MAC but the ACC up to, you know the big the big leagues I don't know. Well, he turned down but the Michigan State job. It's just Michigan State wanted him. Yeah, he did. Yeah. You know what? You're yeah. right. Good point.
0: Yeah. So let me ask you this: Are Go we ahead. sure Michigan's
1: a better job than Cincinnati?
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh,
0: right now, I mean, are you sure? Yeah. It's like, yeah. Especially, I would especially
1: if you look at it through the prism you. of Luke Fickle, right? Mm-hmm. Who, you know, born in Ohio, Ohio State, all he has to do is take the 20 kids that a high state isn't taking from the state of Ohio, which we could talk about this for days on end, why Michigan doesn't recruit Ohio anymore. I'm not so sure that he isn't better off staying at Cincinnati. I looked it up. He makes three and a half million. Okay. That's a lot less than eight. But for Luke Fickle, I don't think Michigan's a better job. Yeah. I don't even think it's any
0: question. I agree. I think he is destined, Fickle is, for a big time job. But to me, he seems content to wait on that next move until it's the absolute right move for him. And maybe it's Maybe it's Notre Dame. Maybe it's Ohio State. Maybe Ryan Day ends up – I would think if Ryan Day leaves for the NFL, as many think he ultimately will do at some point in his career, who's the next man in line? I think it's Luke Fickle. No-brainer, wouldn't you think, Paige? Right. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah.
1: definitely. That's. Yeah, and I I think doesn't Fickle have like six kids and, you know, I mean, he's entrenched down there in Cincinnati Mm -hmm. now. I I just – I think if, if Harbaugh got fired today and they said $6 million for Luke Fickle, I'm not sure he takes that job. And I don't think he actually should. Yeah, now, I think there's other coaches. Right. So like if urban took that job, urban could do it. Right. Because he's got that big personality that I think, you know, I, I think sometimes head coaches with schools, like sort of culturally, it it needs to align. I just don't know that Luke aligns with Michigan. And I think, You'd be taking a hell of a risk going up there. I yeah. mean, right. head coaches have gone up there only to see your career utterly ruined. <laughs> we're, we're three in a row. Yeah, Rich yeah.
2: Rodriguez, uh what Brady Hoke before? Brady Rodriguez? Hoke? Yeah, Brady. Yeah,
1: I don't <laughs> I don't hear too much about Brady <laughs> Hoke anymore.
0: Yeah, I tell you, hey, at least yeah. Hoax teams put up a fight. I mean, the Hoax teams were I think every game we played against Brady Hoke, those were competitive games into the Hell fourth yeah, quarter they were, yeah, and he, you know he's got the last win yeah.
2: over Ohio State in this series, and to your point, Paige, Luke Fickle is bringing in some really good recruits into Cincinnati, man. I mean, he's bringing some kids in there that normally would go to some other programs and he's getting them to cut you know buy into the Cincinnati you know brotherhood and and program, so you know i i city now that you city. say that.
1: Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to play yeah. Cincinnati? I mean, he's especially it, if you're from Ohio.
0: It's interesting. He showed a little bit of ruthlessness. I don't know if you saw at the end of that game that blowout win they had earlier this week. He goes for the fake punt up 50 something to 17 or whatever the score was. And he had he had there was a long exchange with the head coach. I'm blanking on who they who they actually beat, but it was like West, yeah. It was Eastern Eastern Carolina. So <laughs> Fickles turned into a bit of a you know, he's got that the, an edge to him, maybe that he didn't have when he left Ohio State. So, very interesting. It's I don't know where Michigan turns. I don't know. Here's where I'm. Here, here's where I'm conflicted. They seem fine with nine and three and eight and four at Michigan. They seem fine with that. And and this season aside, Harbaugh's been able to deliver those types of seasons consistently. There is Michigan going to give him a COVID mulligan this season and let him finish out his contract.
2: They are comfortable with that, you know, eight and three or seven and four, but we're just, you know, we're all about academics here at Michigan, you know? So (laughs) who knows, man?
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I I mean, I think what's, what's the standard for Michigan? What do you think (laughs) Michigan's ceiling is when they're, when everything's going right there? I personally think it's Notre Dame.
1: I don't know. I'm not that bullish on it anymore. Again, I've said it 15 times now. I think they're closer to Nebraska than they are to Ohio state. Um, You know, I think it just takes a gigantic personality at this point in urban Meyer to turn it around. I just don't think a guy like fickle does it. I don't think a guy like Matt Campbell does it. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, by the way, there's a lot of fool's gold with Michigan, right? They have one national championship. Right. Right. They haven't, how many, you know, they won 30 Big Ten championships. Well, guess what? 29 of them were before 1950.
0: (laughs) Right. Before they put face masks on helmets. Yeah. I mean, you know, (laughs) they had that stretch, the 10-year
1: war with Woody, and they had the Cooper years. But other than that, there's, there's just not a lot there. Yeah. And they don't have the recruiting that we have in the state of Ohio. They have to compete with Michigan State. For some of those kids. I don't know. I think you're right. Yeah. Notre Dame feels about right for me. And that might be ambitious, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, at this stage. Yeah. That that to me seems like Maybe. the ceiling when all the pistons are firing at Michigan. I don't know how they fix this. All right. So one one last game I, I want to have a quick look at, and and that's Notre Dame. I was very impressed bouncing back off the big win over Clemson. I thought this game had all the trappings of a letdown performance for Notre Dame. They were the opposite of that. They trounced a pretty solid Boston College team. And now I'm really starting to believe that Notre Dame is legit, that they didn't just take advantage of some missing personnel from Clemson. Like this team can really hang. I think Ian Book is a very good quarterback. Paige, you mentioned last week, he's very crafty. To me, I think right now, Notre Dame is very solidly in the playoff conversation. Paige, would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: I do. And
1: we all thought, There was a chance for a letdown game and they started out a little slowly, but they, they definitely turned it on. They're very good. I mean, I, like I said, I watched every snap of the Clemson game. I watched a little bit of that game yesterday. Ian book, he doesn't wow you, but he makes plays Yeah, and and he's a good, good quarterback. And you know, the other thing is not necessarily your question though, but it's starting to get a little bit crowded because is Wisconsin a playoff team? Yeah. I mean, they look good to me. And again, it's hard to say because, God knows Michigan's not in good shape, but I was damn impressed with Wisconsin. They they do everything that Wisconsin always does well, but they look look way more athletic on the defensive side of the ball than I've seen them in the past. I think they're going to be a force. Uh, I think Ohio State's going to have their hands full with them, and I definitely think they have a legitimate shot at the playoffs. So you got Clemson, Notre Dame, now Ohio State, Wisconsin, it's getting a little bit crowded there for who's your final
0: four. Well, hey, how about Florida with Kyle nope. Trask?
2: Oh, that guy I was glad you said that, V. Yeah. Those guys, are Florida Gators are legit, man.
0: They look good. I mean, they had that, they had that early season loss against Texas A&M. By the way, there's another team mm-hmm. that looks like it could finish with one loss playing an SEC schedule. and They're not going to have a crack at playing in the SEC title game, but that's another team. I think this is – as the season goes along here, I think the, the playoff committee is going to have some tough choices to make. Maybe some of the toughest choices we've seen yet. Because I think Florida could very well hang with Alabama in an SEC title game? game. They don't play in the regular season, but they would square off in the SEC title game. Oh, right. right. I That game on a neutral field, the way Trask is playing, I mean, you favor Alabama, but you got to consider does, Florida does there.
2: Texas a have a loss?
0: They do. A so and M. I'd have to yeah. go back and look at their schedule, but A and M is on schedule to make to finish with one loss, playing an SEC schedule. They beat Florida. A and M did. So, right, the, the playoff picture is looking well right now. I, I want to say muddled, but in a good way, because you've got some real, a lot of viable candidates. Paige, I'm with you on Wisconsin because they have a different kind of quarterback now. They don't have that stallion running the ball that they typically do but I think with Mertz they have the type of quarterback that you know you can win with in today's game they can make all the throws he's a threat to to, you know to hurt you vertically all right so let's just for fun let's set our playoff fields right now as as you see them season ends today who's your top four Chad I'm going to start with you give me your your four playoff finalists if the season were to end today
2: if the season were to end today, I mean, you've got – oh, boy, that's top. Well, of course, our Ohio State Buckeyes. All right. Um, got to go with Clemson, I think. You know – Who do you like top, out of the SEC? I, I'm going to – SEC, I, you know what? I've got to tell you, I like the Florida Gators, man. I, I, I watched some of that game yesterday. That quarterback is legit. Okay. And they got some receivers, their defense, they got some speed. Uh, I like Florida out of there. Okay. I think you're gonna have like you know, obviously Trevor Lawrence is coming back with Notre Dame and Clemson. Um, I just don't think I mean I Notre Dame that quarterback. I love him, he makes good decisions. He doesn't make mistakes, but I think if they played again, um Clemson would come out there, so we gotta have so Ohio State, Florida Clemson, and then who, I don't know, man.
0: you Who's know Wisconsin. Well, well, in the scenario that you're – if you've got Florida in, then you've got more than likely a one-loss Alabama non-conference
2: champ. That's what I was going to say. I I think you're going to look at somewhere um, in a one-loss Alabama probably would sneak in there, obviously. Um, So so Ohio State – I'd say Alabama, Florida, Ohio State, Clemson. Okay.
0: Paige?
1: Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and
0: Wisconsin. Wow, you got two Big Ten teams in.
2: Wow, I like that. Say that again.
0: Ohio State. Alabama. Alabama. Ohio State. Notre Dame. And
1: Wisconsin. Because if Notre Dame beats Clemson again, they're out. Yeah. In fact, that's probably the scenario that we want. Right, Right. (laughs) take any ambiguity out of it. Yeah, and then I do, but
2: I would love to beat Clemson again or to get another shot at on that title. I get it.
1: If you have two undefeated Big Ten teams in in uh, the Big Ten championship, I could see a scenario where the loser of that game still gets in the playoff.
0: All right, it's on the table. It's definitely on the table. I we'd have to see what else goes happens around the country. For me, I got Alabama, Ohio State. Clemson and Notre Dame. I I think the ACC gets two in. I I like Clemson in a rematch by a hair in the ACC title game over Notre Dame, but just by a hair. I mean, if if Clemson can get, you know, they were missing three key defensive starters last week, and they were actually missing a fourth, one of their best defensive ends for the first half because he was serving a targeting suspension for the first half of that game. If Clemson is whole and they're healthy on a neutral field, I'm going to give Clemson the edge, but just by a hair, I like Clemson and Notre Dame both getting in, Ohio State and Alabama. Alabama by a hair in the SEC title game over Florida, I think, and that would eliminate Florida. But anything can happen. It's kind of exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Good. All right, boys. Hey, listen, we are well over an hour. Why don't we end it here and let's reconvene on Thursday of this coming week, if that works for you guys, to have a look at the Indiana game. And thanks so much for joining me and have a great weekend, boys. Been listening to the South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and visit our website at southstandsosu.com.